This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. The problem with Jairus was he needed to believe what he knew. It was not a problem he didn't know what to believe. The problem is he didn't believe what he knew. He needed to believe what he already knew. And that's the problem that you and I have. When fear grips our heart, we don't have a problem of not knowing what to believe. We know what to believe. We have the problem of not believing what we know. And, and I mean, we know, we know the Bible. We know the Bible teaches about the love of God, about the almighty power of God, and that nothing is impossible for God. We know that, we've got it up here. We know that he loves us with an everlasting love. We know all those things, but when fear comes, we need Mark 5.36. Be not afraid, only believe. Just believe what you know. Jairus didn't have a knowledge problem. Jairus had a believing problem. We don't have a knowledge problem. We have a believing problem, which is why the Lord said in John 13, 17, John 13, 17, if you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. The Lord did not say, happy are ye if you know these things. The Lord said, happy are you if you do these things. And that meant for Jairus that his faith needed to have an upgrade. His faith needed to come up, take a step up further, one step further. He needed to, to step up from believing that Jesus could heal before death to believing that Jesus could heal after death. See, that's the issue. And that was the crisis for Jairus. It was a crisis of choice. Again, another crisis of choice where Jairus had to believe what to do with this news that just came that his daughter had died. Would Jairus give in to the greatest fear and let fear drive him to anger and let fear drive him to resentment and grudge and a blame game, or or would Jairus believe in the Lord's love and the Lord's wisdom and the Lord's power 
would Jairus essentially believe the song that's sung in heaven today? The song that's sung in heaven today, which is Revelation 12, 512, Revelation 512, where it says, they were saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. So Jairus had to believe that the Lord had power, that the Lord had wisdom, that the Lord had strength, that the Lord was gonna give blessing, and now Jairus had this golden opportunity, a really exciting opportunity, to see the Lord receive that honor and glory by raising his daughter from the dead. For, so for Jairus, the, the choice is between, oh no, my daughter's dead, it's over, it's all over, all hope is lost, all that is left for me is just to sink into this state of wailing and over my dead daughter, there's gonna be no resurrection from the dead. Oh no, it's all that delay in our trip to my home. During that delay, my daughter died, great. Or he could say, it was great, because now I have the opportunity to see for the first time and firsthand what no one else has ever seen before, which no one had. Jesus raising the dead to life again. What an opportunity, this is great. Because of that delay, I got the opportunity to see firsthand the Lord heal a 12-year-old dead girl. I got to see already a 12-year-old blood flow that was healed in this woman, and that demonstrated the Lord's power and strengthened my faith so that now I can believe that he's gonna raise my dead daughter. That's gonna be, I'm gonna see a resurrection from the dead, that's great. So the second option, that second option, it requires an upgrade in his faith. It requires a step up for him to do that. And that's the choice that you and I have. That's the choice that you and I have when we receive some tragic news that we were afraid. It's a choice between, oh no, all hope is gone, or Mark 5.36, Mark 5.36, be not afraid, only believe. Now, between those two choices, it's interesting that the messenger that has come to give him this news, your daughter is dead, in Mark 5.35, Mark 5.35, while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, thy daughter is dead, why troublest thou the master? The messenger has already made his choice. He's made his choice between uh, despair and faith and trust. When he said in in Mark 5.35, thy daughter is dead, why troublest thou the master any further? The messenger, the issue was clear. Death came, so hope is gone, hope is lost. There's nothing that the master Jesus could do now, and so it's all too late. In other words, he said, life was in a battle with death, and life lost. Life lost the battle with, and death won. So just leave the master Jesus alone, is what he was telling Jairus. And from that messenger, we can see this battle between faith and unbelief. Unbelief, well, both of them are. Unbelief and faith are fighting each other, and unbelief is saying, why troublest thou the master? Death has come, all hope is lost. But faith is saying, please come and lay your hand upon her, and she shall live, see? So this battle that's going on is really a battle that we see between the world and faith, world and and believers, because the messenger represents the world. The world says, 
There's no reason to hold on to hope. Just go ahead and let yourself sink into fear. Death is the ultimate spoiler. Death has come, death has won, and even God can help you when death comes. See, that's the messenger's message, and that's the message of the world. But by contrast to the world, the Lord says, no, in Mark 5.36, be not afraid, only believe. And so this battle between faith and the world, and the question is, who's the winner, faith and the world? Well, we're told who the winner is in 1 John 5.4, 1 John 5.4, where it says, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So between the unbelief of the world and the faith that believers have, they take that step up, the battle is, and the victory goes to as the hand goes up for faith. Faith is the winner, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Okay, so now finally, the Lord reaches Jairus' house, and it's quite a scene. It says in Matthew, in verse 23, 23 it says, when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making noise. So now there's two common responses to death, two common responses to death. One is a repression, a repression where there's a sadness and a grief, but it's in silence. It's like a stern defiance of death, anger. And the other common response to death is this loud wailing, a shrieking, and this is what the Lord saw when he came into Jairus' house. It was the mourner's making a loud show, a loud noise. Now, I've seen this in Ethiopia. Uh, there's a road that we have to travel down to our Scandivite facility in Budajira, about two and a half miles south of the capital, Addis Ababa, Highway 6, and you go down that road. It's a main, one of the main roads in Ethiopia from the capital. And sometimes it's happened that half of that road is blocked off by a group of maybe 30 mourners and their hysterical shrieking and crying and mourning and someone's died and they do that for 30 days. And so this is sort of what the Lord saw when he came to Jairus' house. These weren't just any old people doing this, these were professionals. They were professional musicians, playing this flute and so forth, playing sad music and they were professional paid musicians and they were professional paid mourners. How do we know that? Well. One of the reasons we know that is because one part of the Talmud called the Mishnah describes the minimum number of paid musicians and mourners that you had to have if you had a death of a wife. That's specified, you have so many. It's interesting, there's no number given for the death of a husband, there's probably rejoicing over that, but anyway. For the death of a wife, you had to have this minimum number of musicians and mourners, okay. So the Lord, first of all, he speaks to the professionals. He speaks to the professional musicians and mourners, and he says to them in Mark 5.38, Mark 5.38, he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, see at the tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when it was come in, he said unto them, why make you this ado? And weep, damsel's not dead, but sleepeth. So the scene is described as a tumult, it's chaotic. And the Lord asked the question to the professional hysterical mourners, says, why do you make this ado? Why are you in this uproar? Why are you in this uproar, crying and hysteria, weeping? And the Lord gives them a command in verse 24 of our chapter, Matthew 9, 24. He says in verse 24, he said unto them, give place. 
give place. That's a command. That command is stop it. Stop that hysterical crying. And the reason is you should stop it because you need to give God place. God doesn't have any place at this funeral. In other words, it was all their crying and their wailing that they pushed God right out. They left God no place, no place. And that's a message for us that during funerals with a lot of crying and wailing, no one can hear God. No one can hear God speak. There's no place for God. The crying and the wailing gets in the way. You know, we had, Scanabites had an office in Bavaria, very beautiful part of Bavaria in the south, about 50 miles south of Munich. And uh, our managing director had a 22-year-old son, Rolf, and he went around a curve and hit a tree and he died. And so at the funeral was in a very famous monastery called Benedict Boyan. And um, on the day of the funeral, it was very cold. It was a rainy day. There was mud. And the way it works there is that everybody walks in the mud to, with the, behind the casket. And they lower the casket to the bottom of the grave. And you all stand around this casket. If you don't think that's depressing, that is very depressing. And all you hear is crying. And there's no place for God. This wailing, the shrieking, the crying, no place for God. So we're all standing around this hole, the grave. We're looking down at Rolf's casket, and the depression is so thick that my wife, Cheryl, said to me, Tom, sing. <laughs> I thought, sing? These people don't know English, and I don't know German, and I'm supposed to sing in English. And she said, sing, because the depression was so thick. So being a good, obedient husband that I am, I sang, and I sang, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our griefs and sins to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And for that little moment, for that little moment, the depression was pushed out and God had a place. It was giving place at the funeral. That's how we should behave in a funeral, by giving God a place, because when God is given a place, there's hope. There's hope because he said, it says in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Hope is what God brings to a funeral when place is made for him. Hope is what the Lord Jesus brought here when he said in verse 24, give place for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. There was this little girl, and they were experiencing, as he said that, some were, sorrow changing to hope. And there was another little girl, as this account goes, of a four-year-old girl, who also experienced sorrow turned to hope when her father was by her dead, very distressed, she was dying, and the daughter asked her father, Papa, does the doctor think I'm going to die? Hard question for a father. With a broken heart, her father just told her the truth. Yes, he's gonna die. And the daughter says, Papa, the grave looks very dark. Won't you go down into it with me? And her father said, I can't go until the Lord calls me. The daughter then says, well then, Papa, won't Mama go down into the grave with me? At that point, the father burst into tears and said, Mama can't go until the Lord calls her. And so then the little girl turns her face into the wall and cries and cries, and she prays. And after praying, the little girl looks up with a happy face and said, Papa, 
The grave is not dark now. Jesus will go with me to the grave. Isn't that great? All right, so he says the, the, Lord, the maid is not dead. So the Lord of life is there at this funeral of Jairus' daughter. He says the maid is not dead but sleepeth. And really what he's proclaiming here is the beginning of what we read in Job 29, 17, what the Lord's gonna do in Job 29, 17. I break the jaws of the wicked and pluck the spoil out of his mouth. See, that's what he's gonna do is break the jaws of the devil. He's gonna pluck this little girl out of his mouth. It says in Isaiah 25, 8, Isaiah 25, 8, he will swallow up death and victory in Hosea 13, 14. Hosea 13, 14, and I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Oh, death, I will be thy plagues. Oh, grave, I will be thy destruction. Yeah. So he refuses to say that she's dead. He says she's only sleeping, which is what Daniel said. Daniel said in Daniel 12, 2, Many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. It's what he later says about Lazarus in John 11, 11. John 11, 11, he said, uh, our friend Lazarus sleepeth. He said, and then as we just saw, it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 14, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. So, he says this, and he's about to do the first miracle of raising the dead. This little girl, 12-year-old girl, is the first miracle of raising the dead. She's just died, I don't know how long, maybe an hour, maybe less, just died, he's gonna raise her. Next one is gonna be a widow's son, been dead maybe 24 hours, less than 24 hours, he's in the funeral procession, he's gonna do that. The last one, he's gonna raise Lazarus, he's been dead for four days, he stinks, and uh, he's gonna raise Lazarus. Okay, so he says, the, he says, she's not dead, she's sleeping. And everybody laughs him to scorn. They laugh him to scorn for the father, the mention of the daughter's name, that's no laughing matter, the daughter's death. The mention of the daughter's death is no laughing matter. But for all these professionals, they start laughing. Why? They're hypocrites. The hired mourners, they laugh. How could they go so quickly from crying and shrieking to laughing? How could they go so quickly from wailing to laughing? There's only one way. Their, their crying and their laughing was not really genuine. Well, they were paid just to show. And why did they laugh to scorn? They might have thought, we're not gonna get paid if we can't go through this whole act here. So they flip from crying to laughing, and they laughed, laughed them to scorn, because the idea of raising a dead person to life without well, foolishness to them, like the preaching of the cross. 1 Corinthians 1.18, the preaching of the cross is to them which perish. Foolishness. They laughed him to scorn because they couldn't receive this thing of the truth of being raised from the dead because 1 Corinthians 2.14, 1 Corinthians 2.14 says that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. So the Lord puts forth everybody out of the room. He says, out, out. I'm not gonna do work while you're in here, out. So he, he removes them. All belief is unremoved at that point. And then we see what happened. It says in verse 25, verse 25, when the people were put forth, he went in, took her by the hand, and the maid arose. What a scene that is of the Lord taking the hand of this dead girl. He takes her hand. He takes her cold, motionless hand. She's dead. And, 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 he's, and as he takes, here he's got this, hand of this dead girl in his hand, 
And it was it's like he, he's come in direct contact with death. It's like he, could, he can smell death. He can feel death in that scene, and he could feel death. He could feel death because it says in Hebrews 2.9, Hebrews 2.9, we see Jesus made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. So he's got this the little girl's cold, motionless hand, this dead hand, and this is the person who's got that hand who said in, in John 14, 6, I am life. This is the person who said in John eleven twenty five eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life, and he's holding this dead girl's hand in there. And her hand and his hand, contact there, is really a, a scene of life and death in contact with each other. And the grand question is, is her death gonna spread to him and overcome his life, or will his life spread to her and overcome her death? So that scene of him holding her hand is really the intersection, the intersection where death and life have come together. It's the intersection of death and life. It was like a Gettysburg battleground at that point where death and life are fighting each other, and it's the battleground where death and life and darkness and light, they fought. And the record says in John, John 1.5, John 1.5, the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended not. The light shined in darkness, and darkness couldn't win. Darkness could not extinguish the light. And so the light of life was shining in the darkness of that room, and where the dead daughter was, and the darkness of death in that daughter tried to extinguish the light and the life of the Lord Jesus, and it couldn't, and that, that girl lives. That girl lives, and he saved her. So he takes her by the hand. Mark 5.41 says, he took the damsel by the hand, said unto her, Talitha kumi, which is being interpreted, damsel, damsel, I say unto you, arise. Straightway she arose, walked. She was of the age of 12 years, and they were astonished. He speaks two words, Talitha kumi, damsel, arise. That's all it took. That's all it took. She heard two words, and death heard two words, and death could not keep his prey. Jesus, my Savior, he tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord, up from the grave. So he raises her up with just his voice. Just his voice raises her up. As he said in John 5.25, John 5.25, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. That's what happened to her. So what are the lessons we learned from this passage? In these verses here on the history of the raising of Jairus' daughter, we have learned that Jairus first had to come to the Lord before the Lord came to him. And that's an important lesson for us. Second, we learned that the Lord knows all of our troubles, he knows our fears, he speaks to them when he says, don't be afraid, just believe. And third, we learn from this passage that the words of the Lord are able to transform darkness to life, death to life, and he just says the word, arise. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your wonderful son of life who brought life from death in this little girl and brings death to life in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.